Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Watchman Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and practitioners. And our special guest today is Reserve Brigadier General Yuval Bazak. And the accent is on reserve rather than retired, because even though you left the career service, you are quite constantly on active active. reserve (laughs) duty. We will get back uh, to the beginning shortly, but let's uh, start at the middle uh, in your position as the defense attaché in Poland. And this is because while not uh, all of the facts and therefore the lessons are in from the Russia-Ukraine conflict, some of the features are already emerging. And because you were stationed in Warsaw, but also in charge of other Eastern or Central European NATO members like Slovakia, Hungary, Czechia, Czech Republic. What can you say um, about the outline of what uh, has been happening uh, since uh, late February between Russia and the Ukraine? I think now we are... coming to the climax of a very long uh, conflict. Actually, the conflict now is running in the middle of Ukraine, but we cannot underestimate this uh, conflict between Russia and the West. I think that that I I was witness the first time to this conflict uh, 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. I became uh, the defense attaché in Poland in 2009. 2009. It was just uh, after the invention to Georgia. And then I remember uh, one uh, visit of our Ministry of uh, Defense, Eud Barak, and uh, we came to the Ministry of Defense of uh, Poland, and we sat uh, with all those, uh, you know, chief of staff and uh, defense uh, minister, And we thought uh, our cooperation is focused in their mission in Afghanistan. And suddenly they started to talk about uh, defense missile, air missiles, and uh, other elements from conventional war, and we didn't really understood. And uh, then the next week I went to the Air Defense uh, Directorate, and I asked them, what is your... uh, relative uh, threat that who, you are who is, your enemy? Who, is, who is the enemy you are talking with and then they started to uh, to uh, describe a full massive soviet or russian uh, invention uh, attack over poland with the uh, escander uh, missiles with mig uh, uh, sorties and with a uh, with a tank uh, uh, maneuver and this was i, I remember this afternoon i I was telegrammed to fax to uh, to uh, Amos Gilad, who was my uh, I was subordinated to him, and say, okay, we have to change our point of uh, of work with the. Uh, but with in Poland. order in order for the Russians 
to reach Poland, they have to go through either Belarus or the Ukraine. Of course. Now, I think that uh, what Poland understood is that if Russia will start to do what they did with Georgia, and they have no doubt that this is the trend or this is the, the big strategy of, uh, of uh, Putin, uh, at the end of the day, if they will go to attack the, Bal- the, the, the Baltic states, the battles will be on the ground of Poland. And they, they, they understood it uh, immediately. And they started 12 years ago to prepare themselves, not to Afghanistan, not to peacekeeping uh, mission, to a, a full-scale uh, a war with, uh, with Russia. And uh, they were very, very, uh, you know, serious. I, I remember when NATO uh, published their, their strategy in 2010, and I was in those uh, discussion uh, between NATO and Poland, and they were very much frustrated. They say, there is no, uh, you, you, you didn't define Russia as an enemy, but Russia defined us definitely as their enemy. And if they are not enemy, you will not prepare capabilities. You will not make any drills. And at the end of the day, chapter five will be nothing but a paper. And but but uh, Yuval, uh, chapter five, of course, is the mutual uh, uh, help which Collective all, defense, yes. all members are pledged uh, to come to one another's uh, assistance. Um, but when you were there, uh, some 20 years after the dissolution of the Soviet Union and also of the Warsaw Pact, obviously some of the officers, some of uh, the more senior officers were still serving before uh, under the Soviet bloc. Uh, what, what kind of stories did they tell you? Oh, it was very interesting. You know, you, 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 you enter into the, the office and then immediately you saw two armies, the, the NATO army, the Western one, and the, the old Soviet uh, officer from the old uh, Warsaw Alliance. I remember when we came to this visit, there was a map, you know, a battle uh, map from the Warsaw, uh, the Warsaw time. It was just uh, presented them. Now they shift the, the arrow, <laughs> the, the blue became, uh, the became uh, red and the red became uh, blue. But I think that the, the Polish really understood the, the, you know, when the Western look NATO, Western NATO look at uh, Russia, they try to, uh, to impose their rationale. And their con- uh, <coughs> conclusion were that, uh, you know, this is a time of cooperation. We are depending economically. They are our sole supplier. They will not have any uh, any of gas of natural gas. They, they they will not have it. Will it will not be rational to to get into conflict? And the Georgia and Ukraine are buying their goods. They their interest is uh, to uh, to uh, keep them stable, uh, stable. And the Polish have this still the rationale of those uh, forty five years of uh, invention, and they didn't have any doubt where it's going to. Are you of Polish extraction? Again? Are you of, of Polish extraction, your family? Uh, ah, do you have uh, any from Polish background? No, no, I'm from Khaleb. <laughs> Another disaster in our region. Aleppo in Syria. Yes. So how did you find yourself um, as a defense attache in Poland of all places? Oh, you know, this is the the, the, the IDF system. is not uh, checking... Uh, uh, but, you know, at the, at the beginning, I say, I'm not going over there. 
it's not interesting. It's not a pleasure. But after three years, it's, it, re it really was fascinating. I think back then I started to understand the, the, the big picture of what uh, Huntington wrote 20, some 25 years clash ago. Clash of civilization. A clash of civilization. And he drew the line in the middle of uh, Ukraine. And this is the, you know, the clash of the Orthodox Russian culture and the Western Catholic culture. And uh, this is the line where, where the, the, the clash is, is now uh, you, happening. The Dnieper, which separates Western Ukraine, which is closer to Poland than at one time in history. It was belo Poland. Belonged to Poland and Eastern Ukraine, which the Russians see and claim as their own. Yuval, um, you are an infantry officer, and a fighter, a warrior, a rifleman um, by, by career, perhaps by inclination. Why did you join the Golani Infantry Brigade when you were inducted uh, some 55, almost 56 years ago. By mistake, you know. It just was coincidence. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you were born 55, 56 years ago, and you joined the Golani Brigade in the mid-1980s, when yes. most of uh, the uh, effort was in Lebanon. Yeah. Why did you join this infantry brigade? You know, at the time we were coming with the buses to the to the induction uh, center. Induction center, and we didn't know what we want. We didn't know where we are going to. We just uh, get off the the buses and uh, spread uh, to this to the officers. And coincidentally, we were I think uh, eight or uh, ten uh, friends from uh, high school. And uh, our previous friend went to Golani and they say, Golani is a good place. And that's how we found ourselves in uh, Golani. <laughs> and uh, the, the rest is history. So, so um, how, how did you manage to uh, get into this military culture, infantry culture, and most specifically Golani culture, survive, and then become an, an officer and commander? Uh, I think that... Uh, it was one of the most, uh, you know, deep experiences uh, I have. Golani has its own DNA. It's really uh, uh, the core uh, DNA of, of being a, a warrior. I think the, the, the idea of, uh, of uh, brotherhood uh, is very, very, uh, uh, very, uh, um, very much uh, exists. And in the culture of, uh, of Golani. And uh, I have amazing, uh, amazing platoon and uh, amazing company uh, with very, uh, very different guys from all over. It, it was fascinating me. And, uh, and then naturally I went to the, to, the, uh, to the officer course. And when I went to the officer course, of course, I wanted to, be a, to become a platoon leader. And this was such a strong experience, social-wise and military-wise, that I, but, I but, was infected. But the, the two um, most important, or at least most prominent, of uh, Israel's five or now six infantry brigades are the paratroopers and Golani. The paratroopers have this image of being fancier, while Golani is known for its persistence. 
Um, however, if you happen to be a paratrooper, your road to the top is easier. And there were more chiefs of staff from the paratroops than from Golani. So if you had to plan your career, mm. maybe you should have gone to the paratroops. Maybe. But I didn't plan. And I have the best officer I could ever dream. You know, yesterday was the, the day of a memorial for Erez Gerstein. He was my, uh, my uh, battalion commander when I was a company commander and then the brigade commander when he, I was a... He was killed in 1999, February 28th, in, yes. uh, in Lebanon uh, uh, on, on an IED uh, yeah. charge. So Erez Gerstein and Gadi Eisenkut, which was the previous uh, chief of staff, and uh, Kaplan and many, many, the best uh, commanders uh, of our generation that uh, I, I was inspired with them. I was uh, looking at them and uh, wanted to, uh, eh, you know, I thought that uh, in, our, uh, in our time, and I'm, I think uh, that uh, till now, when you take the, the clouds away, Golani is still the, one of the best uh, brigade, infantry brigade. And uh, I was very, very much proud to be part of it. What were the reality and the threats in uh, South Lebanon when the, you were there fighting Hezbollah? So, uh, you know, this was our <laughs> playground, let's say. This was the place where we were, um, where we were, uh, grew up. And it started, you know, the, the, with a very, very light uh, threats back at the... 1985, it was the first time I went into Lebanon. Hezbollah was just at the beginning. We have some Palestinian uh, terror groups. Not a big deal. You consider Hezbollah terror rather than guerrilla? It was at the time. That's what we thought. You know, I, I still remember the, the, the intelligence uh, review that uh, the first time they told, there is a new organization in Lebanon, uh, Hezbollah. It's uh, the, 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 the party of the God party. I still remember I was a young soldier. I didn't know that this this uh, this phrase will will uh, grow grew up uh, and become uh, what it uh, it became till now you know think of it's uh, 37 years that uh, from a soldier till uh, the deputy of uh, the the Galil brigade i look at uh, the development of uh, hezbollah from a very very uh, small and uh, new organization to uh, an but army but um, you are now um, one of Israel's uh, best scholars of doctrine, uh, and you are also a practitioner. Thank you. Perhaps because you, the IDF, uh, were there, Hezbollah became what it is, because of the friction that you gave them the uh, chance and, and the experience needed to become from a militia um, whose aim was to protect the uh, Lebanese Shiites, what it is now, what is now called in Israel a terror army. Yeah, you know, you can uh, put it like this, but we cannot uh, check uh, the history and uh, check if the, it was developed in other way. I can give you another thesis uh, or another idea. And I think that in from uh, 40, almost 40 years perspective, we understand that it was the beginning of the ambitions of the, the Iranian. 
Uh, if it wasn't there, it could uh, develop even uh, faster. And uh, the friction uh, was, uh, was uh, no, no doubt that uh, they were grow up by, by this uh, friction and, and as, learned a lot. As you um, probably know, before your time, when you were still a youngster, Israeli instructors uh, were involved with the Iranian military under the Shah. Yeah. And uh, perhaps some of the training later leaked um, or was transferred by those Iranians under Khomeini to Hezbollah. So you find yourself... Fighting yourself. <laughs> indi- indirectly training your enemy. Yeah, it happened a lot, you know, with the Afghanistan and, the, and, the, and others. Yeah, you... you uh, you can put it uh, like this, and I think that uh, the beginning was with Israeli knowledge, and then they, they learned by themselves. There is an axis uh, running from, uh, from Syria, running from uh, North Korea. Uh, I think that there are a lot of cooperation, and even if the beginning they use our, the knowledge that our instructors, uh, instructors g- gave them, then uh, they, they were able to develop uh, their own doc- doctrine. General Bazak, as a young soldier and then a junior officer, did you ask yourself, what the hell are we doing in Lebanon? No, <laughs> I was sure that we are doing the right things. You know, till today, I, 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 I'm, uh, I think that uh, we were there and we did a lot of right things, uh, maybe not the right way. And uh, I think that uh, in a way, if uh, we had the opportunity, even back in 2006 to crash Hezbollah when when uh, it was still young and uh, you know there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, doubt whether you can uh, crash a guerrilla or crash a, a ideological uh, ideology uh, uh, organization uh, i think at the end of the day and uh, we all uh, you know we have a, a long and the and the wide perspective of a war at the end of the day it's uh, it's the idea of of the will who's got the the will and somewhere at the end of the 19s the will of hezbollah was stronger than the will of uh, of israel of the israeli society not the, the israeli, israeli military society. yeah but it was connected because you know the performance of the idf you know, it took us, I think, too, lo- uh, too, too long to understand the nature of uh, Hezbollah, to understand this, uh, the guerrilla way and the guerrilla uh, doctrine and to fight it. And uh, I think that uh, we uh, lost a lot of uh, years that we could do better if we were, uh, let's say, develop theory, develop uh, the right doctrine and train the, the forces to deal with the guerrilla. What is your conclusion uh, based on uh, exactly 30 years of Hassan Nasrallah following the targeted killing of Abbas Musawi, his predecessor? And then, of course, um, there were Imad Murnia and on the Iranian uh, side, Qassam Soleimani. Is it um, more effective to let the current leadership Mm -hmm. stay and perhaps uh, later become an interlocutor, if you want to, to reach at least a ceasefire, if not a political settlement, or other certain individuals uh, whose demise is better than their staying around? 
Ah, there is no clear answer for this uh, question. You know, when I was the commander of uh, Nablus Brigade back in the Second Intifada, what we did very efficiently is uh, being able to uh, <clears throat> to eliminate uh, the the head of terror, but intensively. So we the, the knowledge or the ex expertise could not uh, grow up, and when uh, the the organization lost the knowledge, uh, which eventually uh, exists in the mind of uh, the leaders, he became uh, he become uh, weaker. Hamas or Islamic Jihad? What organization? Uh, you, you know uh, the. The, the Fatah and the Hamas in uh, Judea and Samari, we, we uh, actually fought those uh, organiza organizations. And I think what we did after uh, uh, the, in the Second Intifada was, was uh, to be able to take them down and uh, to, um, let's say, achieve a decisive uh, victory uh, over the, the terror in uh, Judea and Samari. It's not last for uh, forever. But at the time, it was very, very efficient. Uh, now, the question whether you can do it uh, to, uh, to Hezbollah, it's a big question. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, you can see it, you can see it also in, uh, in the conflict, in the clash between the West and the, and the, and the East or the, the other exile. Uh, when you have democracy with leaders that, uh, that are uh, uh, all the time uh, replacing each other, or the constant leaders that could, uh, preve uh, you know, uh, that could uh, develop uh, doctrines and the long, uh, long run uh, strategy. So this is a huge question. And uh, I'm not sure that there is a clear answer for this. But uh, when you were fighting uh, Palestinian terrorists uh, in the uh, towns and villages of the West Bank, you were perhaps too preoccupied with this particular front and the IDF neglected the Northern Front, which in 2006 enabled Hezbollah to have, uh, at least uh, at the beginning of the conflict, a better performance than the Israeli troops. Uh, no doubt. I think that uh, on the one hand, we really uh, earn a lot of uh, experience uh, battle experience in uh, Judea and Samari. On the other hand, it was in a very, very specific uh, area. And when it came to a different conflict, which we have to, uh, you know, use a uh, brigade and, uh, and division, we were not in the right uh, shape. And it's very much uh, infected the, the campaign in uh, Lebanon back in 2006. Before this period, most of the um, infantry units, the regular infantry units, um, used to uh, train for half of the period or so and be on such missions for another half. But during the early 2000s, most of the training was neglected in order for you to patrol and arrest uh, in the uh, West Bank. And for another reason, which has to do with society and budget, reserve forces were not uh, called up for active duty. How do you balance uh, in the Israeli system the various uh, needs and constraints of active versus uh, reserve? You know, when you have uh, enough resources for your uh, missions, it's not a problem. Ben, but when the, the, the blanket is started to be uh, short, so you need strategy. 
and you need doctrine which guide you. And, and I think that this is the, the most important thing that uh, we were not able to, uh, to develop. Back at the, the 80s, you know, after the 80s, everything was changed in the Middle East. Everything is changed. Uh, the, the conflict, the nature of conflict was, was changed, transformed transform from, from state-based military to organizations. So uh, the, the, the USSR was collapsed. Many, many things that the, the doctrine and the strategy of uh, Ben-Gurion were not, uh, uh, were not good anymore. And you cannot take your bar mitzvah suit and, you know, fix it uh, tw for 20 years and use it for your wedding. You have to go to the tailor and make a new one. And I think that this is what we were failed to do. And military organizations are conservative. And uh, even when they do not prepare for the last war, they hesitate to uh, convert uh, totally to something new and unproven and leave their legacy <laughs> systems behind. I think that this is the, the, the two sides which represent the, the big problems of a force build buildup uh, along the, the whole history. Whether you are too cons uh, conservative and you are preparing for, the, for the, the previous war, or you are trying to jump uh, too uh, far and uh, going for uh, theories and, uh, and the mechanism that were not uh, proven. And to be in between, it's, it's a tough... Uh, you know, this is something that I, uh, I, I research a lot uh, along the years. And it's really tough, you know. I saw it all around because we are basically uh, doctrine or military uh, theories are not theories like uh, science. Uh, you need, it's, it's, a, it's something that you have to learn from from uh, your from the friction from the the experience and the experience was happening in the past now to take experience from the past and try to implement it in a, a uncertain picture in the future it's a very very complicated issue therefore you see uh, not very much good strategies and doctrine along the war along the we will, history. we will have uh, a chance to expand on it uh, on the second, in the second part of our conversation. But just in, in a few words, you were later in charge of theory and doctrine for the general staff. How much do the junior ranks in the field, the sergeants, the lieutenants, um, have an influence on the way doctrine is shaped? Is it all... Um, top-down, or is it mm. also bottom-up? <laughs> Mostly it's bottom-up. I think that we are lucky the, the top-down for many years uh, because, you know, you, you need theory. Uh, theory needs researchers, need experts. We are not very strong at it. And uh, mainly we were, uh, we were based on the friction. And on the on the different uh, arena, hence hence on experience, hence on experience coming from uh, from the battlefield, and you know in a way it's a very limited, uh, let's say, source to develop your uh, doctrine for the next uh, war. Brigadier General Yuval Bazak, uh, we will stop here, and we will uh, have another opportunity soon for a conversation. For the time being, thank you very much. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.